Welcome back to the channel today, everyone. I'm Sarah Higdon, and this is Transform to Freedom. If you've been following me for a while, um, thank you so much. Um, got a couple stories to kind of kick it off, kick off the uh, the show today. Um, but I'm not going to spend too much time on these on these initial stories. So, kind of my plan is to start doing more videos throughout the week. So if you're not subscribed to my YouTube channel, click click that button right now and, and, and subscribe so, so that you can see all my videos um, here in the future. But um, this show is more of a news show. If you haven't been watching, we talk about the news of the day and what's going on. Um, I think independent or individual content videos um, on different topics such as um, that have to do with LGBT, trans, gender identity issues. That's, um, we're going to probably start, I'm probably going to start doing some more videos, um, just individual videos throughout the week on that type of stuff. But starting the day off. So I didn't know about this story until I wrote about it this weekend. However, Let's talk about this. So, drag queen resigns as school principal after libs of TikTok exposes prior porn charges, child porn charges. This was this one's an interesting topic because there was a principal who was hired to be an elementary school principal in where was this? Um, Western Heights, Oklahoma. And apparently, this man was was known that he had a um, had charges had been charged with child porn in the past, like possession of child porn in the past. Now those charges were dropped, but I don't know about you, but like if somebody gets charged with something, I do I do believe that. When it comes to children, um, if they had enough to charge somebody and get a warrant for arrest um, and probable cause, I don't know if I would trust this person to be, you know, the principal of an elementary school. Like we know that typically people who are... um, of groomers, typical typical groomers surround themselves with in, in put themselves in jobs um, where close to their um, intended targets. And so, if there was possession of child porn with this guy, I don't think I would have ever. I don't think he should ever be around kids in that capacity, right? Um, it, it doesn't make a difference now. The uh, libs of TikTok actually had exposed this, so this is the uh, where, where is it? So this is the the post, um, and it wasn't even just that this this elementary school principal was a drag queen or you know whatnot. It was the it was the possession of child porn, but also that they had um, they did like drag they did drag queen story hours. So if if you're a parent, it, it, like 
if you're a parent and you know, like even if even if there wasn't the child porn charges, I have no issues with school staff doing their own thing on the side, but even doing drag on the side is 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 fine. But what do you think that your kids are going to learn in school if the principal themselves are doing stuff like drag queen story hours? I don't think that's a good look. I don't think that person should be um, really the, the principal of a high school because they're going to be the first ones to teach, um, you know, gender identity. John. <laughs> Actually, how did you know I'm wearing a tank top underneath the flannel? <laughs> um, you saying that, that me wearing flannel when it's cold outside? Okay, I live in Georgia. It's a little cold outside. I'm wearing a flannel shirt because um, it's comfortable. And now, apparently, I look like a lesbian, according to John, which is impossible. It's it's actually impossible for me to be a lesbian. So, um, so I'm just not going to talk about this, okay? Um, <laughs> so back to this, though. Really interesting. Thankfully... Like I said, um, so actually, eventually, uh, this week, actually, this person resigned amid the pressure. Um, but it was like back in June, the school district superintendent actually wrote a letter to parents that said they hired him despite knowing of previous charges, saying that. Recently, the district has been made aware of previous charges that were dismissed more than 20 years ago. Um, this person has been serving the field of education for more than 25 years and has an outstanding reputation. I, I don't care. 25 years or not. Um, I, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that... Um, this person actually resigned. This is, if there's no charges there, then they don't belong in jail. But uh, to be honest, I don't, I don't think they believe they belong as the principal of a, uh, of an elementary school. That's me. The next top story that I am not going to dive too deep into though. Um, so from the free press, another whistleblower um, has come forward who works, who worked as a, uh, as a therapist. And, um, I mean, you can see the headline. It says, I was told to approve all teen gender transitions. I refused. Uh, she said she worked at a hospital and said that said all teenagers with gender dysphoria must be affirmed. And so she quit her job and blew the whistle. I mean, good for her. And obviously this is a, uh, you have to pay for this. Um, which I'm reading it right now. I haven't dove too deep into what she saw when she was there, uh, but I'm interested in it just from the title. 
Um, I think it's 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 a good thing when more health professionals, especially mental health professionals, are coming out and exposing what is happening in hospitals. And especially like this person where she says that, especially where she says that she was told that she had to do this. Um, that the, they basically, instead of doing what's right for the patients, the doc, the doctors were telling, like she was being told that she had to affirm and sign off on transition stuff. Um, and let me see if there's much, um, Yeah, basically, she, she says that when uh, messages from supervisors, when a young person uh, she was seeing expressed discomfort with their gender, the diagnostic terms is gender dysphoria. I should throw out all my training, no matter the patient's history and mental health conditions. That could be a complica complicating situation. I should simply affirm the patient's transgender status. And this is what we've been kind of talking about for so long is that the, the mental health industry is simply jumping to transition, uh, jumping to that this person's trans and must be affirmed and must be placed on puberty blockers and all this other stuff for these child and ignoring the high rates of autism, the high rates of, um, you know, other comor mental health comorbidities that we're seeing with young people who are just coming out as trans and, and, you know, jumping into this and they're being affirmed. And now we're seeing detransitioners come out in droves. Um, and so it's putting this hindrance back on the medical providers. And now they need to go back and show that this isn't working. It's only working for their bottom line. It's not actually working for their patients. Um, and it's, there are a lot of medical malpractice cases coming forward. Like I said, I'm reading this right now. I am looking to do a video um, on it this week. I'm also still planning on doing a video on Planned Parenthood and how they are evil because they are, um, well, let's just say they're talking sex ed um, in the terms of elementary school students. And so we're going to talk about that in this video. Um, I will show you everything I have. I will expose that. Um, and talking about the craziness that's going on across the country, this story is another one I'm probably going to do a deep dive in this week. In Montana, a family has lost custody of their teenage daughter who, um, because they expressed opposition to her gender transition. Um, this is, this is, this is an awful evil story. Um, now this child was having issue at school, um, going through, going through things. I can't, um, they, in August of 2023, the parents had basically said their 14 year old daughter was expressing suicidal ideations at school. She was taken away. She was put into a hospital in Montana, child family. And then um, basically what happened is 
because <laughs> the parents are in Montana where the governor passed a bill last year to that's that bans medical transitions for children. When the hospital took over this child's care uh, for suicidal ideations, um, the parents said that they weren't like, they were kind of confused by it and they weren't just going to automatically affirm. What's crazy is now the hospital is saying that the only place that can take care of this person is their, their, their daughter is in Wyoming where medical transition is legal and they were like, we're not sending our child. We're not allowing our child to go to Wyoming. They can get the care that they need here in this state. The reason why they want to send this child to Wyoming is so that they can medically transition them. What's really interesting is the governor of Wyoming who signed the ban on medical transitions has come out and said that the, that that it was right for the state CPS to take away this child and send them to Wyoming to then medically transition. So it's it's okay, it's not okay for people in his state to medically transition, but he thinks it's okay to send people from his state to other states to medically transition. Which tells me that he's not very principled in his view on protecting children from gender transitions. Um, I don't know why he, it's really, I mean, it's, it's crazy because he's like, oh uh, yeah, they should be, they should be, able, this, these children should be taken away from their parents because they're not providing care when that care is actually illegal in his state. Tell me how that makes any sense. It doesn't, but we're going to, uh, like I said, I'm, Still diving into this. We're going to probably do a deep dive video later on and making those connections. Um, so stay tuned for that. And like I said, if you haven't already, subscribe to this channel because there's going to be a whole lot more videos and everything like that coming out um, in the next week, week and a half. Um, there's a lot of different stories, uh, trans crazy stories, um, just craziness in the LGBT we're kicking into high gear. So we're going to start doing a lot more um, content like that. And we're going to kind of keep this mostly news. Like we generally have um, for a while. So kind of on to our first story and it's kind of a lead off from last week. We're talking about, so if, again, you didn't see, so last week we were talking that, um, as I mean, after we went off air Monday night, um, the president did authorize um, strikes into Iraq and Syria. Didn't go into Iran, so didn't start World War III. Um, but here's the issue again. Our soldiers are there for to be bait. I mean, to be clear, they are there as bait to um, 
to basically say if you attack our people we're gonna put our we're gonna put our people right on your border but if you attack them then you're attacking the united states and that's just not it like so here is um the national security advisor so, well let's talk about the response um talking about the response so there's three actual videos where i want i want to play through so because some have read the statement from a week ago by the group the Pentagon believes is responsible for the attack in Jordan as an indication that Iran does not want to escalate. There's also, of course, been the statements in recent days by the foreign minister, which could be directed at a domestic audience in Iran, no question. But how do you read their public communications? Does it send to a message to you that they want to de-escalate, or what is your assessment? Uh, look, uh our assessment is that actions are going to be important here, not words. Uh, Iran has a long history of saying one thing and then doing another. So we're going to watch for actions in the days and weeks ahead. And that will determine our response rather than anything that they try to publicly signal. For his part, President Biden has been clear. If you come at the United States, we'll respond. And that's what we did on Friday night. But He's also been clear that we are not looking for a wider war. We are not looking to escalate this conflict. Uh, and he has sent that message publicly through, through his remarks, and um, we have reinforced that. How Tehran chooses to proceed from here, obviously, uh, will be up to them, but we will watch that carefully, and, and we're prepared to deal with whatever comes next. So, well, let's talk about the response, because... Uh, okay. I'm sorry. Is Jordan in the United States? Like, are is Jordan a U.S. territory and I just don't know it? Like, he says, if you come at the United States, if you come at the United States, we will respond. But they didn't come at the United States. They attacked Jordan. They attacked our soldiers who are stationed in Jordan, which they have no place being. This is this is this is like Iran going and like training in Mexico. And oh wait a second. Actually, no, this is a better example. It's like the Russians putting missiles in Cuba. And then us attacking those missiles. And then Russia saying we attack them. I mean, that's a plausible scenario, right? Oh, wait, it did happen. If you, if you know anything about the Bay of Pigs, it did happen. Um, and yes, Eugene, that is, uh, that is Jen Saki. Um, she now works for MSNBC. You know, her gig after the White House was, was probably making quite a bit more money as a uh, anchor at, uh, at MSNBC, which kind of tells you something, doesn't it? So a you you know you're going to get unbiased coverage from the former press secretary um, of um, when it comes to you know covering the Biden administration, right? No, no, you're not going to get unbiased coverage from Jen Psaki, who used to work for the Biden administration which you've never really gotten unbiased coverage ever from MSNBC anyways. It's basically state-run media. Yeah. So here is another clip. 
of uh, from that from that from that interview. So let me start here. The, the strikes, of course, definitely sent a clear message. There's no question about that. But as we look to the next stage, and clearly there is a next stage, as you've all indicated, what can we expect? I know you're not going to outline it in detail, but are you? Are we looking at the possibility of cyber attacks? Are we looking at the targeting of individual leaders? Are those things on the table at this point? Well, Jen, it's a, it's a good question and it's a fair question, but uh, unfortunately, it's not one I can answer uh, sitting here on television today because, you know, obviously we don't want to telegraph uh, the next steps in our response, some of which will be seen, some may be unseen. But President Biden was clear that uh, what you saw on Friday night in the strikes in Iraq and Syria was the beginning, not the end of our response. So there will be more steps in the coming days. I just unfortunately can't lay out what those might be. So so again, that was the beginning, not the end. So who knows where we're going? What are we going to attack next? Why are we, I mean, I, as many have, have stated um, online, if you've been watching, it's like, are we at war with Syria and Iraq? I don't think so. And has the president gone to Congress and actually done the constitutional thing and ask for, you know, congressional approval to authorize these strikes? No, he hasn't. Just like we haven't done that for, you know, I don't know, decades. We haven't actually declared war. Congress hasn't actually declared war. It's just continuing these, these resolutions that, um, you know, never end. Um, but yeah, I mean, what what is actually next? Like, what else do we say that's next? Um, and one more clip, and this was actually him on CNN. Let's start with the retaliatory strikes in Iraq and Syria. Were any Iranian Revolutionary Guard leaders killed during those strikes? Well, thanks for having me, Dan. And, and as you said, the president ordered strikes in Iraq and Syria in response to the tragic death of three brave service members. Those strikes were carried out Friday night to good effect. And we are still assessing uh, the battle damage. Uh, our CENTCOM, Central Command, uh, is looking at the capabilities we reduced and the casualties that were incurred. So I don't have anything to share with you today on precisely uh, who was taken out in those strikes. Uh, but I would just say that the president was clear when he ordered them and when he conducted them that that was the beginning of our response and there will be more steps to come. How do you define success then? Well, we're going to continue as we have to take action uh, when Americans are attacked. When we're attacked in Iraq and Syria, we'll respond. And from our perspective, each action that we take is targeted at reducing the capabilities of the militias to be able to continue to conduct attacks against us and to send a clear message that the United States will respond when our forces are attacked and we will respond uh, with strength and in a sustained way uh, when American casualties are incurred. Let's start with... How is that not saying that you're using our soldiers as bait? You think we can just put our soldiers anywhere in the world and them not to feel like invaders? That's like, it's like me coming into your house 
and being like, hey, I'm going to sit down right here, just chill. And then you getting mad and punching me in the face and then being maybe me punching you back and being like, I told you if you if you, you know, if you came at me, I was going to fight you like that is the dumbest argument I've ever heard. You put you put soldiers in harm's way. And then say, if you if hey, we're going to we're just going to move our soldiers into your country. But if you hit us, we are going to hit you back. That's called bait. And he didn't even answer. He didn't even answer her question because this is this is one of the biggest issues that we saw during the Bush administration. This is this is what really led us to being in um, Iraq and Syria, like in Iraq and Afghanistan for so long is when we invaded. There was no clear exit strategy. Like, how do you define success? Like, what is your end state? Um, which is something that all military people know is to give an end state. Like, you, like when you see uh, at the end of it, like, it's basically in the military terms, if you, when you, at the end of a mission, where do you see yourself being? Like, so are you holding this ground? Are you you know what 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 is it that you see if you you know accomplish your mission what is what is success so basically after him just kind of um slipping that that question he's basically admitting that they have no end state they're just randomly targeting they're just randomly targeting the enemy that they see as the enemy because they're you know we put our soldiers there to be shot at. Um, so they're basically just shooting willy nilly and they have no end state, which is why we were in Afghanistan for generations for decades, you know, since we were there for what? 20, 20, 20 something, 20, 20 years, 21 years. God, I don't even remember. Um, yeah, no, Eugene, you're right. We need, we do need our our soldiers on the southern border, um, rather than being in the Middle East. I actually said yesterday the only, again, if you if you haven't followed me, uh, for that long, you will know that my my views. I'm a minarchist, you know, libertarian. I believe that the only legitimate reason to even have a federal government is to provide a standing military to protect our borders from invasion. Not to send our troops all anywhere around the world, but that is the only legitimate reason to have a federal government um, to protect from invasion. And what we're seeing at our Southern border is an absolute crisis. It's not, I mean, I have what would be a, what's more known as a, I, I probably have more, I'm not going to say liberal view on, um, I have more, I would say more of a liberty minded view of how to deal with the border crisis. Uh, but right now, uh, need, you know, nobody has the liberty minded view. It's either shut it completely down or, um, or let everybody through when it comes to both sides. And I'm not in either of those camps. Um, and it is, I mean, we, we really should be bringing our, 
our troops home. And I, I, I mean, there's, um, let me see, do I have that pulled up? There is a, um, I mean, we, the amount of people that are coming across our southern border is astonishing. I did have an immigration um, story that I was going to, I was thinking about talking about tonight, but um, I tend to shy away a little bit on the border um, in this channel. I, I, I will talk about it in other contexts and everything like that, but on this show, I, I tend to stay away from that topic um, just because, I do have quite a nuanced view of it, but I do believe that we, yeah, put our soldiers on the Southern border and stop people from crossing illegally and let them go through the points of entry. What the fuck? Um, but moving on from the invasion, as we talked about it too much, we talked about it a lot last week. We talked about it too much tonight. Let's talk about, I should name this segment cringe Nikki Haley speaks again or something like that because Nikki Haley has had a week of cringe just a full, like a full week. That's all it's been. And I mean, we are moving on from possibly starting world war three to Nikki Haley. So it's kind of fitting because she is right up there with the Biden administration and, and wanting us to go full force at Iran because of this at that targeting. So moving on to Nikki Haley, the first thing, I don't know whoever runs her social media. I, I doubt it's her, but if it is, then I don't know, but if it's not her, they need to be fired. I mean, okay. So first of all, they post Americans want a choice in this elections, not a rerun, which meaning they don't want to see Biden and Trump running against each other again. And then <laughs> instead of posting a actual handwritten note, she posts this. Look at this. I, I, I've never seen somebody post a letter as if it's authentic that looks like this. This is clearly a, a computer-generated letter that's supposed to look like a real letter. I don't, I doubt Mary A is a real person. Um, it says, I want to encourage Nikki Haley to keep pressing on. We need competent and committed leaders to stay the course and in the bid for presidency. I'm an independent and I have voted for the best candidate every election cycle. And this year it's Nikki, the best candidate. So they, so they have voted for the, the best candidate. I mean, come on. Um, one, I, I regret a lot of my past votes. Just, just saying, um, yeah. Then this one kind of takes the cake though. So Nikki Haley posted this message from Michael B who says, please do not give up your fight. Um, it's supposed to be an email to Nikki Haley but it's not sent. 
this is so cringe. Like it seriously, this is it's not this is not Nikki Haley's team receiving this this letter. Like this is like if they were at least smart about this, they would have sent it from like an anonymous account and blurred out the from line and said, this is so-and-so emailing. This is an email that we got. And then they would have said this would be fine. But no, it's like her, her staff literally wrote out an email to her and then screenshotted it. Like this isn't something that she received. It's hilarious. I don't. I don't get this. It's so, like we'll keep working hard to make. I'm overwhelmed by the kind words that your team comes up with. Like, that's what she says. Like we'll keep working hard to make you proud. But the this isn't real. None of this is real. Like you created this. It's easy to see. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this is a pretty good response from Matt Walsh. I haven't I just received this fan mail today. <laughs> like you typed it out. <laughs> and then this, this was pretty good too. So Nikki Haley says, another day, another poll showing that America doesn't want two grumpy old men. Once again, Trump is within the margin of error, and I wipe the floor with Joe Biden. So the poll shows that she beats, she's beating Joe Biden 45% to 36%, while Donald Trump is beating Biden 47 to 42 Yes, the gaps are closer. But as I point out below... Like, I don't know if she can count, but 47% for Trump is higher than 45% for her. <laughs> Trump almost gets to 50% of the vote, where she is two points behind him. Like, I, this is not a good poll for her. It's a bad poll for Biden, but it's not a good poll for her. Um, and it's really interesting. I I guess they're saying that if Haley's in the race, then they'll go to. So so what it's basically saying is a lot of never Trump people would would actually vote uh, are more. I mean, it does say that people are more afraid of Trump than they are of Haley meaning that a third party is more viable. And honestly, I'd love to see where the third parties are in this in, in this matchup because if Joe Biden's at 36%, then you have to think that, you know, somebody like RFK Jr. or something like that might be in the high 20s. Um, I'm not sure because the Libertarian Party doesn't have a candidate completely up yet, but I don't know where they would be. But it's like the third parties would actually be getting doing pretty well if they were all, you know, combined. So I don't know. I, I it's but it's not a good poll. Like I don't know if this is this is I don't know how you can say that America doesn't want two grumpy old men and 
when you're actually losing, like this poll shows that you're losing to Trump in this poll. You lose to Trump in this poll. So if it was a three-way race between you, Trump, and Biden, Trump would win. I don't know. Like that's it's pretty cringe. And then if you didn't see, she was on Saturday Night Live, and this was uh again another pretty cringe-worthy experience. Another cringe-worthy performance. We have time for one more question, and it's actually for Ambassador Haley. curious what would you say was the main cause of the civil war um and do you think it starts with an s and ends with a lavery <laughs> yep i probably should have said that the first time and live from new york it's saturday night oof oof oh man trying to i mean Going on Saturday Night Live, and I mean that's just that that's cringe. And the whole thing, like the whole segment was pretty was pretty cringe. Haley's cringe, her neocon views are cringe. Um, all of that, yeah. But now to the top story, which I see y'all are talking about in the chat, is Trump possibly you know, flipping New York. And he didn't even just say he might flip, he, he could possibly flip New York. He actually said that he might be able to flip the entire country. Which is pretty interesting too, right? So um, he was asked about, whole, like there's rumors he's going to hold campaign rallies in uh, the South Bronx. Um, and so he was asked about that. And he said, I think we're going to do that because he thinks that people are mad. And when we talk about immigration, that's what they're mad about. People in New York are not happy with immigration. And let's, I mean, we're, a lot of this is going to play into the immigration stuff. Um, so let's just, yeah, let's listen to what he said on Fox News yesterday. The Republican Party under Trump has become a tremendous success. Are you going to be able to flip blue states like in New York and in New Jersey? There's a rumor you're so. going to do a rally in the South Bronx. I think so, yeah. I think I will do that. And then I think what are you going to do? I think I'll do one maybe at Madison Square Garden, too. I think we have a chance. New York has changed a lot in the last two years. We have migrants all over the street. They're living on Madison Avenue. I mean, they it's nobody can believe what's happened to New York. The people of New York are angry. People that would have never voted for me because I'm a Republican. I mean, they're Democrats. Their parents would never they vote for Democrats. I think they're gonna vote for me. So I think we're gonna give New York a heavy shot. They're very unhappy in New York, what's happening. And they're unhappy with the crime. You take a look at the crime in New York, it's at record levels. The other thing is, and, and very importantly, New Jersey. I think New Jersey can be flipped. I think that Virginia can be flipped. I think that New Mexico can be flipped. And I think Minnesota can be flipped. And I'm not even sure that everything can't be flipped. I mean, it's an interesting theory. I, I actually think he might be right on New York City. Um, and Because here's the thing. So... Again, coming out this week. So New York City Mayor Eric Adams has been raising the alarms and actually has been going against the Biden administration on immigration policy, right? But he's still saying that he would he supports Biden. Um, but he's been against 
Biden because his city is now deeply in debt because of illegal immigrants taking over hotels, taking over the streets, and then they're basically having to pay for all these services for the illegal immigrants. While at the same time, they're basically having to cut services like to the police department because they can't afford it because their city's in debt and their city's actually not allowed to hold debt. And so they, uh, they need to get that under control. And so Eric Adams has been one of the biggest proponents against, you know, what's happening at the border. But then at the same time, they've approved um, the city spending $53 million on prepaid um, food, like handout cards for illegal immigrants, which this cause, and this is, so this is one, these are the reasons we are seeing a completely different demographic looking to Trump. Or at least floating the idea that, you know, Trump is the answer. So this weekend, in response to um, New York City giving prepaid debit cards to illegals, rapper 50 Cent suggests that Trump was the answer. He literally, so if you read, he wrote on Instagram, he said... WTF Mayor Adams, like in response to the New York, he like he posted the New York time or the the New York Post uh, story about the $53 million program. And then he said, WTF Mayor Adams, call my phone. I don't understand how this works. Somebody please explain. And then he said, Ari Melber can't explain this. I'm stuck. Maybe Trump's the answer. Maybe Trump is the answer. And, and just posting that on Instagram, maybe people are going to start being like, hey, maybe Trump is the answer. Maybe Trump is the answer. I don't know. Um, this comes as last week. Last week, Snoop Dogg, who once held in a music video, once did a mock assassination of Trump in a music video. Last week, he says, I got nothing but love and respect for Trump. He ain't done nothing wrong to me. He's done only great things to me for Trump. Um, and this is this is one of the things that we saw last year, right? When a lot of a lot of people who had um, were starting to come out for Trump um, were saying that you know, they know what it's like to be unfairly targeted by this system. And so now Trump sees what they deal with. Also, the big thing with Snoop Dogg um, was that um, Trump pardoned co-founder uh, or commuted co-founder of Death Row Records, Michael Harris's sentence in the last year of his, of his uh, presidency. What people also don't remember is... Um, Trump pardoned Alice P. Johnson, um, which I actually met Alice P. Johnson at Nevet back in October, one of the sweetest ladies ever. And basically she told her story and her story was that she was kind of the call center 
for drug dealers, right? So people would call her and then she would be like the she would be the operator and then just connect her with a with somebody to then send it. She was sentenced to life in prison with no other uh no other convictions. And this is again, it's a nonviolent crime. And she's sentenced to life in prison. Um, and it was actually the work of Kim Kardashian that got her released from prison, um, that got Trump to partner. So he's done a lot. Like he, it's funny cause now he's did a lot for people who were unfairly prosecuted by the system, which is now he's being unfairly targeted by the department of justice. Um, so it's, it's interesting. Um, And then again, this weekend we have rapper Killer Mike, who I guess was arrested at the Grammys last night. I don't know. I guess he was arrested at the Grammys after receiving three Grammy awards last night. But a video of him on Bill Maher's channel, um, basically refusing to endorse Joe Biden. Let's see. What are your feelings on the election coming up? I mean, Biden and Trump. Are you just depressed about that as most people my, as a choice? My, my feeling is pick your policy, not your person. Find out. This is, this is not the Dallas Cowboys versus your favorite team. This is, this is the policies that will affect our generations for the next 20, 30, 40 years to come. So close your eyes, listen to the policies that are being pushed, and... and Pay attention even to the people who don't have a chance of winning because they're going to say policies you may want to push. And I would say do that, but make it policy-based. Make so, it policy-based. So that means, therefore... That means I'm, I'm for black people and happy black history. But you're not, you're not saying one candidate over the other? Hey, man, my nigga, you ain't going to get me in no trouble tonight. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my... my my, no, my, no, that's your job with me to my, get me in trouble. My grandfather gave me some stellar advice sometimes. He said, son, sometimes you just got to know to stay out of white folks' business. And well, <laughs> this, this, this time, I'm going to keep my mouth closed. I, I still like the policy that the old man had that I was supporting. I would encourage people to find who's supporting that policy and, and see what But happens. you can't get yourself to say vote for Biden over Trump? You, you want me to list it now. So now, now I'm, we I'm gotta, just saying that can, that can he get himself to apologize for the crime bill? Can he get can he get himself oh. to get his head out of his oh. ass and say, black people, you, you are black regardless. I need you to tell me what I need to do. Can he pick a coalition of former people who are affected by drug laws, street gangs, recidivism and crime and say, I need you as a board to advise me how to fix federal prisons? If he can do that, absolutely I can. So my challenge is out. <laughs> All right. So yeah, I mean, I, it's I agree with with what he's saying. You know, vote based on the policies that you agree with, and don't worry about whether they have an R or a D next to their name. It's interesting. Bill Maher is asking these questions though, because Bill Maher is completely like he's been he he's been ham he's hammered liberals quite a bit in the last few months. So I it's it's crazy. Um, Killer Mike's an interest is interesting too. Um, I think. I have, I've seen Killer Mike do a lot of good stuff here in Atlanta. Most people don't know he owns like half the city. Um, I think T.I. owns the other half the city. <laughs> but 
when the George Floyd, I remember him being on TV with uh, with the mayor at the time of the George Floyd riots, and he was trying to calm the city down, trying to not stoke the flames of division and and all that stuff here. So, um, I think he's uh, he's an interesting person to, and it's nice to see that hey, he's not he's not going to take a side um, and vote vote your conscience and vote for the policies you like. Um, it is interesting when when Bill Maher says, "What about um, you can't you can't vote for Biden?" And he says, "Has he like I've never once heard Biden." Nobody brings that up that Biden was the, voted in the ninety four crime bill, which put a lot of people in jail um, unfairly. Uh, he also was a supporter of "Don't Ask, Don't Tell." And the Defense of Marriage Act. So, like, Democrats have now thus flipped, even though Bill Clinton's the one that wrote that that signed the the ninety four crime bill. So, I think things are starting to change a little bit. Um, and it's not again, it's not just um, you know people in the rap industry. Let me see if I can find this real quick because it was um, recently too. Let me see, Michael. Michael Rappaport, let me see. Um, yeah, let's see. Here we go. Michael Rappaport, again, who was so vile towards Trump before, um, is not has been speaking a little. I mean, when it comes to Israel and stuff like that, he's kind of been against, like, I'm pretty sure he's been against most Democrats on this. But he's been, now he's like, he used to be one of the worst anti-Trump like people out there. Like I said, I mean, Snoop Dogg was up there too. Snoop Dogg, you know, mock assassinated Trump in a, in a music video. And now this is like what a complete reversal for Michael, Michael Rappaport too, which is saying on the table the other day, this is why when I say voting for pig Donald Trump is on the table, voting for pig Donald Trump is on the table. The other day in New York city, Six illegal aliens jumped a New York City cop, NYPD's finest. They jumped a New York City cop in Times Square and were arrested and released without bail. I know it's a city thing. I know it's a state thing. I know all that. I know all that. I know all that. Okay? Stay with me. Released without bail. Came out of the courtroom on some Tupac Raising the middle finger with the Detroit Red Wings t -t -t jersey. Let me tell you something. What the fuck is the world coming to? If you could be from another country, beat up a cop in New York City and walk out with no bail, what the fuck is the world coming to? What the fuck is the world coming to? I know Mayor Adams, you're from Brownsville, Brooklyn. I know this. Like, what the fuck have I gotten myself into? Stay with me. On the same day that that happens, cadaver Joe Biden issues an executive order about four quote-unquote settlers in Judea, Samaria, a.k.a. the West Bank. Some troublemakers, three of the four have already been arrested. You issue an executive order about 
four troublemaking ups who've already been arrested in Judea, Samaria, while there's a war going on, while there's 100 plus hostages still being held in Gaza. You're talking about that, but you got nothing to say about beating up cops in New York City, the greatest city on earth. Maybe it's not. Maybe my city is not the greatest city on earth anymore. If you could beat up cops, if you could beat up cops in the quote unquote greatest city in the world and be released without bail, are we the greatest city on earth? Cadaver Joe Biden, we see you. We see you. Don't worry about those in Israel. BB got them. Israel will take care of them. Worry about cops getting beat up in Times Square and walking out uh, uh, with no bail like the Tupac Shakur. Worry about that shit. This is why voting for big Donald Trump is still on the table. I, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm sure these celebrities are not the only ones that feel the same way. I do. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to think that Donald Trump can flip blue states. I think New York is on the table. Especially with the backing of these anti-Trumpers that call him, you know, names like, like that. And then now they're calling Joe Biden cadaver Joe Biden, which is kind of hilarious. <laughs> but I mean, it's true. I mean, I may not agree with all of Trump's policies, and I may not be the biggest Trump supporter in the world. But when it comes to who's running, like, I don't know who's going to be the libertarian candidate at this point, but of the main party candidates, no new wars under Trump. But economy was in a good situation. And you can actually look at the border statistics and see how many more. I mean, it's like doubled and tripled. Like literally in one quarter. So in the first quarter of this year, more illegal immigrants have come across the border than in 2018 Trump's second year. Com like total Trump's second year. Total. So when he's talking... When he's talking about illegal immigrants beating up cops and getting walking out because Alvin Bragg, who's also char was charging charging Donald Trump, right, um, says it's fine and has no issue with them walking out of court. But then the illegal immigrant population is soaring in New York, and the police department's being depleted because they're taking all their resources. I think. New York City, I don't know if New York City as a whole is going to flip, but if you ever watch New York as a whole, the state, it's traditionally pretty red other than New York City. If New York City shifts 5%, that could be it for New York. New York could flip like that. This is what we saw happen in Michigan not too long ago. Michigan was a traditionally, I mean, we just they they've just voted all blue this last election, but they voted for Donald Trump in 2016. I don't know. We're seeing uh, crime rates start to increase here in Atlanta, but not for the same reasons. We don't know. Um, 
Georgia's going to be a tough one. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen here. Um, but yeah, so I think that, that that could happen. And if Trump wins, here we go. Here we go. Rona McDaniel could be. Yeah, actually, honestly, AOC might be on the table. If they can get a Republican to run against AOC, I think she's in South Brooklyn. Whew. You know, um, is she in South? I don't know exactly what her district is. I know people that live in Brooklyn. We will see. Um, it's just individual districts are hard like that, especially congressional districts. I mean, if she won as a socialist, it's probably it's a very liberal district, just saying. Um, but Trump wins, and now, I mean, here's what we're seeing. Ronald McDaniel could be out as RNC chair, which actually would be uh, would be quite the quite the deal. So Trump was again on uh, Fox News, and here's what he said: tougher. You talk about this optimism uh, ahead that that we could see some relief, but the RNC doesn't seem to be so strong. I mean, the Democrats have all the money. Look at what we see: we get the Democrats actually uh, with the money and and uh, spending it. The RNC seeking credit lines. The RNC reported its lowest bank balance at the point in any year in 2016. Comerica says Michigan GOP defaulted on a loan of half a million dollars. So I have a lot of money, and the money that they get. People are not looking at the RNC. They want they want changes. I, you have to understand. I have nothing to do with the RNC. I don't. I'm separate. How's Ronna McDaniel doing? Uh, I think she did great when she ran Michigan for me. I think she did okay initially in the RNC. I would say right now uh, there'll probably be some changes made. You. <laughs> that's a that's a nice way to say it, right? I that's that's that. I mean, and that is skillful talking because he said. Hey, you know, she's not doing a great job. That's basically what he said. She's not doing a great job. She used, she did a great job here. This is why I supported her then because she did a great job for me in Michigan. And then she did an okay. She was doing okay. And then, uh, yeah, there was no red wave that ever happened. Now, this is interesting because, uh, you know, Vivek Ramaswamy called her out on the debate stage, called her out for having the debate um, on NBC with people that aren't really, you know, the, the audience isn't going to care about, you know, Republican, like they're not trying to get Republican voters. Um, and he said that if, if, uh, if she was smart, then she would host this, she would have had Joe Rogan, Elon Musk and Tucker Carlson moderate the debate. Um, and basically called for her to resign, announce her resignation right there on the debate stage. And now Vivek is close with the, with the Trump campaign. And he's, he, Trump is right though. He, he did say like, like he has nothing to do with the RNC. Like the RNC, this is what's really weird about politics in general is the party in and of itself is not the candidates. Like the party runs and then the candidates are separate. Candidates run their own campaigns supported by the party. Um, and so Trump doesn't have really any say when it comes to who is running the RNC um, other than his sway. And he would have a big sway because he's Donald Trump and he's 
um, the 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 part it's so it's funny because the party the party leader is not the leading candidate for the party which which is usually seen as the uh, the leader of the party by the people um so that if you if you don't remember this is what vivek said at the debate swami let me turn to you uh, please make your case why would you uh, why should you be the nominee and not the former president i think there's something deeper going on in the republican party here and i am upset about what happened last night we become a party of losers at the end of the day. We have a cancer in the Republican establishment. Uh oh. Let's speak the truth. I mean, since Ronna McDaniel took over as chairwoman of the RNC in 2017, no. we have lost 2018, 2020, 2022, no red wave that never came. We got trounced last night in 2023. And I think that we have to have accountability in our party. For that matter, Ron, if you want to come on stage tonight, you want to look the GOP voters in the eye and tell them you resign, I will turn over my, yield my time to you. And frankly, look, the people there are cheering for losing in the Republican Party. Think about who's moderating this debate. This should be Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk. We'd have 10 times the viewership asking questions that GOP primary voters actually care about and bringing more people into our party. You think the Democrats, and we've got Kristen Welker here, do you think the Democrats would actually hire Greg Gutfeld to host a Democratic debate? They wouldn't do it. And so the fact of the matter is, I mean, Kristen, I'm going to use this time because this is actually about you and the media and the corrupt media establishment. Ask you the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that you pushed on this network for years. Was that real or was that Hillary Clinton made up disinformation? Answer the question. Go. Mr. Ross. This is how we get our country back. We need accountability because this media rigged the 2016 election. They rigged the 2020 election with a Hunter Biden laptop story. Mr. Ramaswamy, and they're going to rig this election. Your time is accountability. up. Let me turn That's to Governor, Governor Christie. Why are you? So, yeah, that was the moment that um, I believe Rona McDaniel's political career as the head of the RNC was killed. I mean, we, we witnessed a murder at that point. She's done. And now you have Trump saying there's probably going to be a change. She's done. She's done. But with that, y'all, I am going to, uh, um, that is all we have for the tonight. Like I said, I am going to probably, I got some, I got some videos we're going to come out with, um, throughout the week. I also, also may have some other surprises um, up my sleeve here in the future. So stay tuned. If you're not already, if you haven't already, click that like and subscribe button. Follow me across all social media platforms. And I'll see you next time.